0: Hello everyone, welcome to Tea Time Reports. This is Trevor doing a little solo episode this evening or whenever you're listening to this, it might be morning or daytime. Um hopefully you're having a great day, night, year so far. It's been uh it's been a weird year so far for me, I can personally say, but you know, being able to do this show has definitely brought some structure and um you know, just some enjoyment back into life where I can actually dump my time into a passion of mine, which is, you know, hopefully getting into broadcasting one day and you know, maybe in five years, I look back on this episode and you know I hear that, and I'm you know in a booth calling a game somewhere. That's that's the goal, that's the dream. Um, but today I have an interesting episode, a little solo review on a movie of mine that I've briefly touched on. Maybe season one of the show. I you know, I, I know I brought it up, but this movie is one of my favorites of all time, and I just want to tell you why um, and why you should watch it yourself. This movie is called Collateral. It came out in two thousand four. Um, and it is one of my favorite stories, t- just sequences ever. I-, I think this is a movie that you need to see. There's so many great actors and actresses in this film. Um, there is an L in this film. Um, that at the time, wasn't an L. But, you know, I'll get into that at a later point in the episode. But on the Rotten Tomatoes website... It um, looks like it has an 86% on the Tomato Meter out of 238 reviews, and the audience score is an 84% out of 250,000-plus ratings. Um, I don't know how much I trust these websites anymore. It's just kind of gotten so out of control with reliable sources nowadays, but um, I, I believe that this movie, in my opinion, is one of the best movies in the 2000s, if not this century. It's gritty, it's filmed beautifully in a weird kind of... Street point of view type of way where like you get the whole vibe of where it's filmed in Los Angeles and It's gritty. It's a gritty movie. It's it's gray almost it's kind of um, Just one vibe throughout the whole movie, but everything is full circle in it because You know irony exists in the world But this is directed by a, a guy that you know, he's had his hits and he's had his misses But it was directed by Michael Mann you don't know who Michael Mann is, he's done some stuff. Um, Let me just pull up maybe his his history here real fast for context. His best movie was The Insider in 99, um, but he made movies like Black Hat and um, Hancock, which, you know, Hancock's a good movie. It uh, did good numbers and it's Will Smith in his prime. Um, But he had movies like Miami Vice he had movies like The Keep and, you know, overall his career has been amazing, though. I mean, from uh, The Jericho Mile to Manhunter to L.A. Takedown to The lo- um, the Last of the Mohicans, uh, Mohicans, excuse me, and Heat is one of my favorite movies of all time as well, which I'd like to do an in-depth review on that um, even more. I think I touched on it in a movie sessions in um, the first couple se- first two seasons of the show, but That is a movie that has definitely left a mark on history. He did Ali, which was really good. He directed screen... He's a writer in most of his stuff. Um, I take that back. Typically, he's a director and producer, but um, he also did The Aviator with uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. But to tell you the truth, after Collateral, um, The Kingdom was good in 07. Public Enemies was a letdown in 2009. Uh, Ford vs. Ferrari in 2019 was good, except he didn't direct it. He executive produced it. Um, And it looks like he's directing another movie called Ferrari. Um, Looks like it came out already, uh, or or maybe it's coming out this year. But again, going back to Collateral, um, I'll briefly touch on the, I guess, the summary of the film. A cab driver realizes his current fare is a hitman that has been having him drive around from mark to mark until the last witness to a crime is dead. When the cabbie finally figures out the truth, he must prevent the assassin from wiping out his last witness without becoming the next in the professional killer's line of casualties. And, again, this movie has so many great actors and actresses. Tom Cruise plays Vincent. Jamie Foxx plays Max. Mark Ruffalo plays Fanning. Um, then you have um, Bruce McGill who's in it. Um, who else here? Paul Adelstein is in it. Um, Javier Bardem is in it. Shout out to those guys. And then the L I was referring to in the film it is Jada Pinkett Smith who plays Annie. Um, she's really good in this movie and I'm not going to take anything away from her in that regard. It's just if you don't like her as a person you know i I hope you go into this movie just accepting that she's in it because this is kind of i I guess in that point in her career or life where she was trying to do um like it felt like she really cared about this project it felt like really artsy and um and and unique in its own way so she really got either lucky with this casting or incredibly um you know she made the correct choice from getting on this film because the box office gross in the U.S. was hundred million dollars. Um, I don't know the budget of this film, but it—I will look that up for sure. I just want to go over some other facts on the on the film. The release date in theaters was August fifth, two thousand four, and the release date for streaming was March thirtieth, twenty ten. So this is a movie that kind of didn't get put on like platforms like Netflix and stuff like that until really late. So I feel like a lot of people missed out on it. The runtime is two hours um, DreamWorks did it, uh, they distributed it, um, it was produced, um, by Paramount Pictures, Edge City LLC, DreamWorks, Forward Pass, and, you know, it's a really good, like, honestly, sleepy, sleeper type of movie, you know what I'm saying, like, you don't expect it to be that good, but it really is, um, because it's Tom Cruise with a gun, you know, you're just like, oh, it's, you know, Tom Cruise with a gun it's actually way more deep than that and it goes into like legitimate symbolistic like moments and it's it's really powerful because like this guy and fun fact you get a little cameo of Jason Statham at the beginning of the film and some people say that that is the character from Jason Statham's Transporter trilogy linking up with Tom Cruise's uh hitman named Vincent like their their universes collide for a second So he links up with uh, Jason, drops off a uh, briefcase, and gets information on a hit list he has to obviously finish. So he gets a cab driver, and Jamie Foxx is sadly the unlucky chap, and they go on, let me just say, a hell of a ride in one night. And it gets really deep to the point where, like, Vincent, Tom Cruise's character, he talks a lot about how he hates the city, how people just get lost in in like the shadows, they get lost behind each other. You, you don't notice things in, in the city, how you just, it's just so much sheep in one place is what he was kind of hinting at. Um, and he told this story about a, you know, a sad, a sad story in a sense. And he was talking about how this guy died on the, on the subway system um, in LA. And he rode around LA on the same route like 3 laps before anyone noticed that he was dead and like him just saying that just kind of showed that he just like felt nothing but disgust about where he was so he didn't have any care about what he was doing if that makes sense because he walks around like he's untouchable um very calculated character written well not much dialogue but when he speaks it's important and this is probably one of my favorite Tom Cruise characters ever, if not my favorite. This is, like, this is better than his Mission Impossible movies. And, you know, maybe because it's rated R and it's, like, it goes deep in into, like, organized crime and stuff like that. And, and you know, they're legit, they're legit driving around killing fucking witnesses um in this film. But it, it's one of those movies to where, like, you're you're very captivated in the roller coaster ride of the storyline because like it's so crazy how how the events unfold. I'm not going to give too much spoiler alerts on this um spoilers on this film because I want everyone out there listening to actually give it a shot themselves because it's worth it. Um I'm going to read a little bit off the Wikipedia page here. Let me just uh, find a little little section I can read. Um Max is a meticulous, uh, oh yeah, one thing I do got to talk about, Max. Max's character, played by Jamie Foxx, is he has OCD, he continues to talk about, you know, how just driving a cab is temporary, and he has other goals and dreams, which you should. Anyone out there should have goals and dreams, for sure. Um, But he never was executing on his word. He would never make his words into a reality, and you see that throughout the beginning of the film, and honestly, throughout the entire series of events, he's never able to fully grasp a situation and take it by the balls, if you know what I'm saying. Like, he can't take charge in, in his life, and he struggles to in, in very intense situations. But you see it peek through for Max here and there, and you see that he has potential, and he's a smart, really good guy. And he just was the fucking unlucky cab driver that night, you know, and... Like I was saying, he's very meticulous. Like, like the Wikipedia just said, very meticulous. He's mer- very, very meticulous. He's OCD. He likes to have a perfectly clean cab. He has a whole routine um, when he switches on for his shift, and um, he takes care of his mother very well. He you know drops off flowers every night. Um, and, but what I was going to with how he you know always was talking about how this was just a side job, just something to to step up to the next level with. Um, he always talked about his cab, like his limousine business and how he had like this whole plan to rent out and, and um, start a limo business with a bunch of Mercedes. And he had like this whole Mercedes like magazine, a bunch of magazines and nonstop in in depthly looking at these, you know, stats and, and facts on these vehicles that he could use for a limousine um, like catering company, if, if you will, like uh, renting limos, but also, you know, providing a service, what he would always say, I want to provide a service that you can't replicate. And he always, like when he was speaking on it, it sounded so real. It sounded so perfect. Um, but then you realize he's been driving that cab for 15 years, 10 years, I think 15 or 10. And, you know, when he actually goes in depth in conversation with people and they're like, yo, why haven't you you know done this yet? He kind of cowers away. But there was a point where, you know, he was actually, I think it's a part of the opener as well, Um, Jada Pinkett Smith's character, Annie, I believe her name is, she uh, gets in his cab and they're just talking about stress and and just the workload of everything in your daily life, in their daily lives. And she's like, yeah, you need a vacation. And he's like, oh, I go on vacation three times a day. And it's, it's amazing. And she's like, how is that possible? And he flips down his little rear view mirror thing in the car, in the cab, up, up front. And he takes, you know, shows a picture of this little island um, rubber band strapped to like the little mirror part of that flap that comes down in front of you. I, I think it's called the rear view mirror or, you know, the makeup mirror in the car. And uh, he takes it off out of the rubber bands, And he's like, I escape here five minutes a day, three times a day. And I feel like I'm in paradise. I close my eyes and I'm there. I feel the heat of the of the sun. I hear the waves. I feel nothing but relaxation. And he literally gives the girl uh, Annie her that picture. He's like, "You need it more than I do because she's a lot more important to the story than a lot of people will think." And that's all I'm going to say about that. But the budget of this movie actually was sixty-five million dollars, and it did globally uh, two hundred and twenty point nine million dollars in the box office in two thousand four. Uh, that is just something that you want in those types of movies it's not gonna have a sequel it's not gonna have cgi explosion it's a gritty really like gray down to the earth film like this is film like michael Mann. i'll give him credit he knows how to make a fucking movie and it's 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 so easily like scene in his art and his craft that he cares about, not only just the dialogue, which was fine above, above fine, honestly, it was good dialogue, not much needed to be said to understand the gravity of these, the situation in this film, but it's the cinematography for me in Michael Mann's movies. If you guys watch the camera movements, sometimes it's shaky, sometimes it's wobbly, but just look at the lighting, the gray and the yellow. Like the accents in his films are, they're they're like very pronounced, and you can tell that that's a distinguishing mark, a unique trait to him. That he has that that ability to kind of not only just like film the movie around the setting, but kind of make the characters what the movie is like, legitimately revolved around you know what I'm saying like normally you have to write the story and but like if you just have like I I don't know I just feel like his process of making films is different than many other directors and I'd love to I wish I could you know do an interview with him and just ask him you know what was your creative thinking process with putting this film together because it's perfectly constructed and it just feels like it's one of those movies that we sadly won't get in a long time. And I think, you know, if you haven't seen this movie, you need to. I mean, you get guys like Mark Ruffalo and Javier Bardem in this. That's when you're stepping it up, not only just in, like, the terms of film, but you're bringing that edge to the, your to your cast. If you don't know who Javier Bardem is, he's in No Country for Old Men. He plays that sociopath. He was in uh, Pirates of the Caribbean 5. He's been in a bunch of other stuff, like Mother... He is a phenomenal character actor. He brings that that intensity when he's on screen as well. And he's not on screen for a lot. And that's the cool thing about this movie. They don't utilize these big names a lot. And it's good that they're able to pull it off. It's shocking almost. Because I watched, I think before I saw Collateral, I saw Miami Vice. And that's one of the worst movies I've ever fucking seen. That movie is terrible. And then he comes out with this film. And, you know, it it's shocking that it's by the same director because he's a, like, it's weird because you see Black Hat and then Miami Vice and then you see Heat and Collateral. It's like, Michael Man, you didn't, you know, if you didn't make those other two movies, you would have never missed. But um, again, this is a, a very, very fun, thrilling ride. Um, again, it takes place in one night and it just goes insane A lot of people die. There's a lot of really good side characters like Mark Ruffalo. He plays kind of like a greaseball detective and he's on the chase. The only guy believing that Max is actually innocent, not an accomplice. And, you know, that story that Vincent, a.k.a. Tom Cruise, was telling about the guy on the subway not being noticed for, for however long, it comes into play. It comes into play later on in the film and I really hope that if you are listening to this now, you do actually take that, you know, suggestion and, you know, maybe check this film out on the weekend or, you know, you and your girl want to watch a really good movie. This is it. This is the movie that you and your, you know, your buddies or your 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 lover, whatever, you guys can sit down and like actually enjoy this movie on not only just an intellectual level but just a thrilling, like a thriller level. It's not predictable in any any way, shape, or form. Like, it really isn't. Um, I would also like to shout out to Paul Adelstein, plays Kellerman in Prison Break. Uh, he's in this film, has maybe a line or two, but uh, it's just good to see guys that, you know, just love the art and love the craft of putting together something, putting together a story that we can all watch and enjoy and um, see in real time. It, it, it's something that you really learn to appreciate more and more, Um, The more movies or TV shows you watch, um, especially if you go outside your comfort zone and, you know, try and watch some wacky dystopian sci-fi movies or, you know, if you're going to go down that rabbit hole of indie films. I mean, there's so many genres for people out there that I think that it's just beautiful that some movies like this one are able to capitalize on multiple fronts. There's love, there's, there's tragedy, there's intensity, there's anger, disgust, there's There's a whole rush of emotions and it's just incredibly impressive when a filmmaker and a production studio are able to put that into one movie and that's why it's rare that we get movies like this now. The creative process is dying for original thinking, especially in Hollywood. So I really hope that, you know, maybe if you guys are out there and aspiring filmmakers or cinematographers or actors or actresses, you will watch this movie and it will motivate you even more. It is one of the best movies of this century and I do not want it to get lost in time. So I really hope that you know you guys actually do appreciate these movie reviews because I do this because I love film obviously but I do it to give recognition to some of these films that I don't see talked about anymore or ever talked about enough and I really hope that you guys actually do check this out because you know what it, it won't be a waste of your time. And shout out to Bruce McGill for also being in this film. He plays Pedrosa, like an ATF agent or something. But like the side characters and side acting, I mean, Emilio Rivera's in it. And he's one of the most esteemed Latin American actors like in those 2000s movies. He was in Training Day. He was in this. He was been, he's been in so much. I mean, when you see those consistent um, side actors and actresses that are just throughout history, and especially film and TV history... You come to enjoy it more. You're like, oh, I just saw that guy in that movie, you know? But that movie was five years ago, and you, you know, now he's here. That's fucking cool, you know. And then when you get cameos like Javier Bardem and Jason Statham, and and you have a huge doubleheader uh, w- with your leads with Jamie Fox and Tom Cruise. I mean, what can go wrong here? And nothing went wrong here. And it's one of those movies that you will not dislike at all. Like you will actually love it. In my opinion, I think anyone listening to this. You, you will find some piece of this movie that you are going to be like, damn, that's amazing. Damn, that's... Uh. As long as you feel something in film, it's doing its job. It could be a terrible movie. It really could be. And you could shit on it, hate on it. it could be too gory, cheesy, corny, whatever. But if you feel something in the film, that's what it's doing. You know, it's art. You know, and and, and this is the peak of what film should and could be. Um, so I, I definitely recommend you guys check out um, Collateral, directed by Michael Mann, starring Tom Cruise, Jamie Foxx, and Jada Pinkett Smith, made in 2004. Um, great numbers in the box office, great ratings on Rotten Tomatoes, and according to IMDb, which is a source I regularly go to, mainly because of just avid film film fans, they'll rate it on there. as has a 7.5, and, a half, and I, I think my rating would relatively be an eight and a half, nine. 9. Um, but again, to each their own, I think the practical effects, the storyline, I think the creativity behind this, um, film is what sets it apart from a lot of others during that time. So again, if you have, you know, a night or, you know, a Saturday, I, I think if you're out there and listening, you should definitely check out Collateral. Um, it's one of those films where it'll be very impactful and memorable. And I still don't forget scenes. I can't forget some of the scenes in the movie where it's just very intense. There's good chase scenes. Again, practical effects, real explosions. The sound, like the the actual mix, um, the mixing of the movie sounds good. Um, and the the music, the soundtrack is it, it's like a 2006 soundtrack, but at the same time, it's a good vibe for the movie. It's very um, very uppity. Like I don't want to say techno musicy, but it's kind of got that vibe to where, like, you're always feeling rushed, but that's because the situation at hand is incredibly fragile, and they're always on the move, and it's one of those things where it's very intuitive, you'll get pissed, you'll get sad, and I really hope that, uh, you know, you guys definitely check it out, and I I hope you enjoyed these movie reviews and uh, little film episodes, and if you do have any films to suggest to the show, I recommend you guys follow us on uh, Instagram and uh, Twitter uh, at Tea Time Reports. Just Instagram uh, or DM DM us or Insta message us on either platform and our email is in the bio. So if you guys ever have any constructive criticism or maybe you want to be a part of the show somehow, um, we'll definitely have those conversations. So reach out, be interactive and definitely follow our uh, Instagram and Twitter. And I really hope you guys enjoyed this episode of our collateral review and take care. Godspeed.